Well, hey there, everybody. Philip Gonzalez here, and welcome again to Betterology, the show all about helping you think better, do better, and be better in your business, family, and faith, and get happier, healthier, and wealthier along the way. I'm so excited because today we are finishing our four-part series on this big idea, how to master any area of life with a simple, repeatable process anyone can follow. And we've been going through this for the past four weeks, or I guess three weeks, this is the fourth, and I hope it's been helpful to you. I know it's been certainly a game changer for me in my life, helping me level up in any number of different areas by following this specific process. And of course, if you've joined us before, you know that we're talking about the 4x4 Mastery Method. We've been walking through this and asking this simple question, what do you want to grow? If there's an area in your life you want to improve for the better, you want to see level up to a greater degree of success or fulfillment or happiness or achievement or joy or whatever the case may be, what do you want to grow? And we've been exploring this idea and really realizing that if you want something to grow, it's not enough to hope, it's not enough to wish. Yes, you certainly should pray, but you also need to be a part of the solution. And that's asking then this question, what do you need to master? If you want to master something, that will help you grow something. This is the process to do it. So the 4x4 Mastery Method, as you know by now, is a simple, repeatable process with predictable results to help you achieve the goals that matter most. And last time, we looked at phase three. Now, phase one, of course, is knowledge. If you want to grow and master anything, you need to have knowledge. The second phase is attitude. As one person has said it, your attitude determines your altitude. But phase three is about skills, and we talked about this at length last time, four different types of skills. You need to have the right thinking skills so that your brain is in line. You need to have the right doing skills so that your actions are in line. You need to have the right tool-based skills so you can be most effective in your actions, and really need to have new people skills if you want to grow anything significant in life, because pretty much all the significant things somehow involve people. Now, that brings us to phase four, which is habits. And let me ask you a question. What habits do you know of in your life? And I ask it that way because the truth is most of us have all sorts of different habits that we're not even aware of. It was said by, I believe, Aristotle, you are what you repeatedly do. Uh, I think that was right. I probably should have looked that up before I uh, broadcast this episode. So if it's not Aristotle, please let me know in the comments and correct me. I always love to learn, even if it means I was wrong. But anyway, the idea stands. You are what you repeatedly do. Habits truly are the defining facets of our lives. And so what we're going to do is walk through, once again, four steps to help you level up in your habits. And I should let you know, by the way, if you want to go much deeper into this idea of habits, there's several great books out there. Uh, One of my favorites in particular is this one. In fact, I'm going to reference it shortly. The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. You know it because it's got the yellow cover with the funny looking people going around the wheel. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But if you want to go deeper, this is a great book. Another very well-recommended book that I haven't read myself, I have listened to an interview by the author. Another one is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. So if you're a reader or you like audiobooks, 
by all means, check those out, and I'm sure they'll be greatly helpful for you. That said, if you want the quickest route, then follow these four steps, and I believe you can level up in your habits. Let's take a look. First question to ask is, what's my clear vision? One of the things that uh, Mr. Duhigg writes in The Power of Habits is that people's ability to change their habits is directly tied to their belief that it's possible and their clarity of imagining what the future result may be. There's another great book called Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. If you've watched any of my videos in the past, you know I've referenced that before. It's uh, uh, somewhere back there on the bookshelf. Probably should have grabbed that anyway. Uh, but he brings up, uh, that the whole, pretty much the whole book is about that, how if you envision something, if you have a clarity about the future you want to see, the future you you want to be, the future result you want to see happen, that will be one of the most powerful drivers of your actions, which will lead you to that result. So ask yourself, what is my clear vision? Now, <clears throat> you'll notice this comes after we've already done the work to set a specific goal, to come up with a specific why, a purpose, to acknowledge where's the gap, where are the answers. We've gone through, we've looked at our attitude, we've looked at the skills. Part of the reason why the 4 by 4 mastery method works in the order that it does is that we're building a foundation for belief and vision. You may say, well, what's the difference between a goal and a vision? Well, the goal is a specific result you want to achieve, typically within a particular time frame. A vision, a clear vision is much more about putting yourself in that future place in your imagination. I heard a sermon recently where uh, the pastor talked about how the human imagination is one of the most powerful forces that there is. And when you harness your imagination to a clear vision of a better future state, that is one of the things that will rewire, literally, Dr. Maltz talks about this in Psycho-Cybernetics. It will rewire your subconscious to influence you, to make choices that will lead you in the direction of the clear vision that you have. So if you want to develop better habits, ask yourself, what's my clear vision? One of the easiest ones to talk about is things that are health-related. Do you want to change your health habits? Well, one of the surest pathways to do that is to start by envisioning yourself running those long distances having that clear, healthy appearance that you want. Maybe it's a weight issue. Maybe you envision yourself X number of pounds lighter, or maybe you're trying to bulk up. Maybe it's X number of pounds heavier, but you're chiseled, right? Having that visual in your mind is super important. If you want to improve your sales goals, envision yourself meeting with a prospect and envision the feeling and the emotion and the experience of hearing them say absolutely yes, shaking their hand, signing that paperwork. The more you envision that, the better. If you want to heal a relationship that's in a strained place, envision the two of you sitting across the table for coffee, smiling and enjoying your time together. Or if it's not coffee, maybe it's tea or milk or ice cream or tofu salad. I don't care what it is. But you're envisioning yourself with that other person. Get that picture in your mind and return to it. And as you do, that will empower you to make those choices that lead to the habits that will lead to the results. Number one, what's my clear vision? Number two, what's my concrete schedule? So here's the thing about the fast-paced, busy world in which we live. There will never be enough time to do all the things you want to do if you are indeed wanting to grow and master and 
make a change in your life that's going to lead you to a higher level. There's just too much to get done. So what has to happen, this is what my wife told me not too long ago. She was enormously helpful, reminding me of this point. She said, you need to sit down and plan when you're going to do stuff. Because if you put it in the schedule, you're more likely to get it done. Now, let's just be honest. Some people don't really need a schedule. They just operate by routine and they're great. But a lot of us need that schedule for two reasons. Number one, to remind us what we said we were going to do. And number two, to give us the permission that it's okay to say no to the other things so we can say yes to this thing. And I'll be honest, this has been one of the most difficult things for me because as a creative and artistic person by nature, I like the freedom of just being able to do what I want when I feel like it. But the truth is, that's not actually freedom at all. To not have the self-discipline to schedule things ever, I'm not saying everything has to be scheduled. You don't need necessarily an every morning bathroom schedule like Sheldon Cooper. But if you are able to put together a schedule of some sort that frees you emotionally to be fully invested in those activities when you're doing them and to feel okay about saying no to the other activities that you could be doing right now. When I've done that, and as I continue to do that, it has been enormously freeing for me because without any clear decision on what I'm going to do when, I'm just feeling like I'm never doing the right thing at the right time. I'm always doing something when I should be doing something else. But the schedule helps me to get it done. When you have a concrete schedule for those activities that matter most that you want to build habits around, you're more likely to keep them. Now, let's just be honest as well. Many of us, and again, I'll, I'll include myself in this category in different seasons of life, many of us may schedule something and still not get it done. And when you do, give yourself some grace. You're human. You're not going to get everything right all the time. Neither do I. But at least we're more likely to get it done if it's on the schedule. Now, that brings us to the third thing. And this is a powerful concept that has been enormously helpful for me. What are my forcing functions? Now, forcing functions are the term I use. Uh, Charles Duhigg has a similar idea that's a little different. We'll talk about that in a moment, but he calls it cues. Uh, here's what he says. This is in The Power of Habit. Uh, his idea is that if you want to change a habit or build a new one, you need a simple and obvious cue that is a specific thing that happens that clicks in your brain. Oh, I'm going to do this now. And number two, he says, second, clearly define the rewards. Now, the example he gives in the book is the Pepsodent company. Back in the uh, <laughs> back in the early 1900s, early to mid-1900s, teeth brushing was not nearly the uh, well-developed mechanism that it is today. And so a company called Pepsodent came up with this idea. They said if they could put an idea in people's head that every time they put their tongue on their teeth and felt a little film there, hmm, there's a naturally occurring film that happens on your teeth. If they could feel that, that would remind them that they hadn't brushed their teeth. And the second thing that the Pepsodent company did was they put peppermint oil into their toothpaste. It doesn't provide any cleaning benefit, but the peppermint oil gave a clean feeling that people could associate with the habit of brushing their teeth. It was very well done. And of course, today, millions of more people brush their teeth on a regular basis because of not necessarily the film on your teeth thing, although many, many people may know that, 
But that feeling of clean, it's a nice, clean feeling because of the peppermint oil or the related chemicals that make you feel all sparkly fresh, right? A cue is a simple and obvious thing. It's a, it's a switch in your brain. Now, similar to that, what I call a forcing function would be something like this. Um, <clears throat> a forcing function would be something that you put in place that will put pressure on you to move you towards a specific action or, uh, or, or habit, right? So, for example, um, I, uh, well, here's a good example, actually. Having a buddy to work out with, which we'll cover in a moment, is a great forcing function because the fact that you know someone is counting on you exerts pressure on you, and hopefully in a positive way, to take the step you need to follow through on that commitment. Uh, another good example, uh, I do this all the time actually, um, if I am going to be having meetings during a specific time, maybe there's a lunch meeting with a person, well what I'll usually do is I will schedule the lunch meeting because I know that I've got to eat anyway, uh, and so that's going to be an additional pressure for me to make sure and keep the meeting, be on time, at the right place. That's easy. But the real forcing function is what happens after that. Normally, if I have a lunch meeting, I will schedule another meeting after that to make sure that I don't get carried away and chat too long or listen too long or whatever the case may be. Because there's something else that's exerting pressure on me, I'm more likely to do it. Uh, a good example of a forcing function could be an alarm. Something as simple as an alarm is an external factor that's going to motivate your behavior, especially if you put it on the other side of the room and you have to get up and go get it. Uh, another example, this would be more on the cues side, not kind of somewhere in between. Um, when I get up in the morning and I want to I, I wanna run, I, I want to be a runner, I, that's something I want to do for my health, I generally don't love or look forward to getting out there and starting to run. So for me, my cue is I'm not, I tell myself in the morning, I'm not committing to run today. All I'm going to do is I'm just going to put on my shoes. And I know if I can just make myself put on my shoes, well, I have my shoes on. I might as well at least go for a walk. All right, fine. I'm going to go for a walk today. And so I go out and as long as I get out the door, as long as I start walking, what typically happens is I've started the process, and now I'm out, I'm ready, I'm moving. Well, I might as well kick it up another notch. Another great, I've done this before too when I was training for a triathlon, uh, when I really needed to run consistently. Uh, I, would, I, made, I would make a playlist, and a certain, a certain song started it off, and there was a particular part in the song where there's a break in the music, and then it kicks in really loud, and that was always my song to start my morning because I knew even if I didn't feel like running, even if I told myself, all I'm going to do is just walk today. There was something about that forcing function, that song, when it kicked in, oh, it motivated me and I just started automatically to run. This is an example of the type of thing you can do to motivate yourself and to align a whole constellation of assistance to help you change those actions and build those habits that will lead you to greater success. Forcing functions, helpful cues, schedules, and above all, a clear vision. This will help you. Now, this brings us to the fourth and final step in phase four. And this is what we alluded to earlier, asking this question, who are my partners for accountability and encouragement? So here's the thing. 
Let me just read from Mr. Duhigg in his excellent book. He reminds us of this. He says, we do know that for habits to permanently change, people must believe that change is feasible. The same process that makes AA, or Alcoholics Anonymous, so effective, the power of a group to teach individuals how to believe, happens whenever people come together to help one another change. Belief is easier when it occurs within a community. This is the power of having partners. This is the power of having that workout buddy, having that support group, having that church community around you, having that neighborhood cohort that you all want to help make your community a better place to live. Whatever the case may be, partners help you stay accountable to stick to your guns and do the things you said you were going to do. And they provide encouragement to let you know you're doing well. Keep it up. I believe in you. You can do this. These are powerful things. And I'll tell you that for me, this has been one of the hardest things because by nature, I like to be always positive, always encouraging, but not always committal because I'm actually a very, very loyal person. So I am generally very guarded with who I give that loyalty to because I know once you're in, you're in. That's that's it. That's it. I'm I'm in, right? But it's one of the most powerful things to help us make those changes, to build those habits, to help us master the skills that we need to grow in any area of life. So for instance, if you are in a marketing team, chances are you're going to be more effective than if you're a solo marketer. Or if you have a buddy that is maybe in a similar field, but a different niche, maybe that's a good person to team up with. And you can hold yourself accountable to you know do your research, get your audiences dialed in, do your outreach, whatever the case may be. If you want to grow your personal health, again, a running buddy, an eating buddy, a workout buddy. If you want to improve your relationship, a trusted third party that you can talk to to help you stay on track and do the things you said you were going to do to improve that relationship. These things are critical and incredibly valuable. Now, the truth is, it's sometimes hard to find friends who fit the bill. In fact, I'm going to even turn this off, right? Uh, let me just have some real talk here for a second. We have friendships that come from all different walks of life, and not every friendship is equally effective in being the kind of encouragement and accountability we need to grow and master the things that matter most. Sometimes we have friends that are good buddies or hangout friends or even commiserators in hard times, but you don't want someone advising and holding you accountable to do something in your financial life if they're broke. Dave Ramsey talks about this. Don't listen to the advice of broke people if you want to do better with your money. They don't know what they're talking about. Same thing. Don't listen to the parenting advice of people whose kids you don't like to be around or don't want your kids to be like. Don't listen to relationship advice from people who keep going through one bad relationship after the next. They're not qualified. doesn't mean they're bad people, but it means that they're not going to give you the kind of encouragement and accountability that you need to actually improve. Don't trust someone to give you business advice if their business experience is selling hot dogs on the corner. Nothing wrong with selling hot dogs on the corner, but it's not the same thing as scaling a company from $500,000 a year in revenue to $2 million a year in revenue. They're just different things. This is where counselors, coaches, consultants, clergy, 
Anybody else? It starts with C, right? This is where people who have the expertise and the insight in the particular area you want to grow, this is where they become so valuable. And this is why, quite frankly, it's worth investing in. A lot of the people that I talk to who aren't doing so great in their business, in their family, or in their faith, it's not that they don't have the information available. It's that they don't have the inspiration of someone else pushing them forward and being alongside them as well along the way. And the reason they don't have that person is because either A, they're unwilling to swallow their pride and reach out and ask, or B, maybe they know, but they're just not willing to invest. Spending money on a coach, a consultant, a counselor, someone like that is a investment. It is an investment in yourself. And if you're not willing to make that investment, I have to ask if you really want to master and grow the thing that you say you want to master and grow. If you're not willing to invest in a counselor, maybe you really don't care as much as you think you do about saving that relationship. If you're not willing to invest and pay a coach or a consultant, maybe you don't actually want to grow your business as much as you say you do. If you're unwilling to call up your pastor or a Bible study leader and sit down and ask them some questions, maybe you don't really want to grow your faith as much as you say you do. Only when we're willing to reach out and take that step to bring in a partner for encouragement and accountability are we truly serious. And those that are truly serious are the ones that truly succeed. That's it, friends, the 4 by 4 Mastery Method. I hope it's been helpful for you. Let me take a quick look and review what we have, because here's the thing. I wanted to mention one last thing. We've been asking this question and giving the same answer for all uh, three other sessions and this one as well. How do I apply this tool to get results? How do you grow in your habits? Three simple steps. Schedule a time. Make a plan. Tell a friend. We've been saying that every time. And guess what? Does that look familiar? There's your schedule a time. There's your make a plan. It's very similar to a vision, of course. Connected with this one here as well. And then, hey, uh, the vision and the forcing functions, there's your plan. And then here are my partners, right? There's telling a friend. It's all connected. Now, this is the final slide for the 4 by 4 mastery method, the growth grid, this particular tool. Now, I will say there are there are more things that we could cover about the 4 by 4 mastery method, but that's beyond the scope of this podcast. So if you have been helped by this and you would like to learn more, then I would encourage you to apply what we've talked about today by reaching out to me. I would love to explore with you what helping you grow in your business, in your family, in your faith, helping you figure out what that would look like. I do professional coaching and consulting as well. And that's definitely something that many people have found value in and have uh, been willing to invest. Maybe this is your season. Maybe this is your season to reach out and say, you know what, Philip, I hear you. It's time for me to put my money where my mouth is and get some professional help, because that's not an admission of weakness. That's an action of strength that shows you're serious about wanting to really grow your business, your family, or your faith. So if that sounds like something you want to learn more about, please follow up either in the comments here, or you can send me an email at philipgonzalez.com. You can visit that site, by the way. It's undergoing the, the revamp. We're almost done. And you can find more inspiration, resources, and tools to help you grow in whatever area you need the most. So that's it, friends. I hope you enjoyed this series. We're going to go on to some more exciting, uh, some additional exciting topics uh, in the sessions ahead. And until then, thank you for joining and I wish you all the best.
Thanks. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.